Um, in case you did not hear, because I do tend to talk fast, so I'm going to try to slow down and not speak at like Lauren speed. I am Lauren Etter. Um, I have the privilege and honor of serving as the Rock Point Women's Minister. Um, and I just want to thank you all for coming here and being with us this weekend. Um, also want to thank the many, many hands are in this room um, that helped put this weekend together. Um, there are no words to describe the amount of hours and labor and sweat and, and laughter that were put into pulling off this weekend. And we are so grateful for each and every one of you. Um, thank you so much for making this possible. Um, as we prepared for... Um, this weekend, we were all given kind of the assignment to decide what reword we were going to have. And so, um, as I started praying about it, I started thinking about all the rewards I would like to use. Um, and there were a lot of them, but there was one in particular that the Lord brought to mind, and it was rejoice. And I love that word rejoice. And so, I feel like um, there's a lot of ways we can use that word. And so, the verse that the Lord took me to was the verse that Melanie just read. Um, but our verse for the weekend, if you are not familiar with it, I'm going to read that to you, is also a favorite of mine. And so, my goal was, is how am I going to use these two verses together, and what do you have for me, Lord, in these two verses? And so, real quickly, I'm going to read verse um, from Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and that is our theme verse for this weekend. You're going to see it pop up a couple of times, and we're hoping this is what you experience a little bit as you rest at our retreat. It became like a running joke. How many RE words can you find? We never knew there was as many as there are. Um, but my goal in this weekend is, is, as I was praying, is I always hope that in everything I say and do, I glorify God, and I, I fall, short, fall short way more often than um, I wish I didn't. But the one thing I wish I could, if, if, if there's anything I want to come across in my teaching, is that I love Jesus. And he's the only person I've ever gotten to know. And some of you may have had this experience that the more I get to know him, the more I want to know, and the less I feel like I do know. The more I study, the more infatuated I become with him, and the less I feel like I know, because there's so many layers to him and to our Lord and to the Holy Spirit. And so if anything, Throughout my life, the Lord has allowed a lot of things I would have chosen not for myself. But, but throughout it, he has been trustworthy and faithful, and his word has been my guide. And so, if anything, I hope the one thing that you capture from what I'm going to share with you about what the Lord showed me through Rejoice was that I love the Lord so much. And if you don't have a relationship with him, you are missing out on the best relationship you can ever experience. Um, I pray that if you don't know him, that by the time this weekend ends, you choose to know him and accept him because he's the most awesome experience. We can't even put into words what having a relationship with him is like. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and I'm going to read our theme verse to you because to me it's almost kind of like a spa day to get to have someone read this particular verse to you because it just sounds wonderful. Matthew 11, 28 and 30 says this, Are you tired? worn out, burned out on religion, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You can open your eyes. I love that area of the unforced rhythms of grace, to live freely and lightly. Come to me. Come away with me, and I will show you real rest. I mean, who's going to say no to that? Sign me up for that retreat. 
So there you go. It was easy to say, yes, I'll sign up for that. Thank you very much. Um, but as I was studying the Thessalonians verse, is, and by the way, in your bag, all of our verses are in there. So you're going to find that verse inside your bag and that clean. Um, so you can look at that verse as if it's not on the screen behind me. Um, but as I was kind of praying through, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to share? What do you have for me versus what do you have for everyone else in all these areas that we're studying? It kept coming up. And if anyone that in this room knows me, I love to pray. It is one of my favorite things to do is, is pray. Um, I used to, I jokingly, but not jokingly say that I used to love to pray when my kids were really little because I could hide in the closet from them and it gave me some time of escape. And, but then it became a real thing that, that really is my place of comfort. In fact, uh, recently in a, a group I was in, we were talking about like, what if you could pick one day to do anything, what would it be? And truly my idea of a day that I would choose is a day where I could really just be in his presence by myself praying with him because it is just the most incredible experience ever. And there's never enough time to really settle in and do that. Um, I love to communicate. I have no problem communicating. My husband and my children would tell you that I'm an over communicator. And so one of the things the Lord taught me in my prayer time is as much as I want to talk to him, he also needs me to listen to him. And so that has become our, our love language is that I will talk and then he'll remind me you need to listen and be quiet. And I've always found it funny because I am such an over communicator. Um, I don't know how he's talking to any of you because I feel like I'm talking to him all the time. So I apologize. Um, I'm sure he's like, we need to muzzle her. Like, we pull her back a little bit. Um, but prayer is a gift that we've been given. Um, it's a gift that we have. And the best part of prayer is just being in God's presence. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It it's, should be as simple as breathing. Um, but sometimes we overcomplicate it, and we make it feel like it's something we have to do the right way. And, and that's not what God intends. God intends, he just wants to talk to you. He just wants you to sit in his presence and let him love on you. Um, let him hear the burdens of your heart, the big and the small, anything that is causing you worry or anxiety or to question, no matter how big or small, if it takes your attention off of him, he wants you to lay at his feet and he wants to hear about it in prayer. Prayer is a powerful gift we've been given because one, it's an area where we can rest and be reassured in, but it's also a powerful weapon that we don't utilize often enough. And alongside that prayer is also praying scripture. And that's one of the most powerful weapons we often don't use. Often with prayer, there can be prayers that are so deep, needs that are so hurtful or so strong that there aren't words to give. And so sometimes when those prayers come up, I simply pray scripture. So let me tell you, if you want to really give the enemy a one-two punch, start praying and praying scripture. And you will, you don't have to sweat to do that. You just keep praying scripture over and over and over again. But those are the words that the Lord has given us. Um, this entire book is full of a guideline of what to say and what to pray. You never have to come up with the words on your own. That is something to rejoice in. Um, I was recently uh, reading through a book and it's kind of studying on prayer and I heard a woman talk and she was sharing about how she was working through anxiety and fear and um, that this was something that was a lifelong, lifelong process for her as trying to work through anxiety and fear that continued to kind of come up in her life even as a believer and that's two areas that I struggle with too. Um, for me it's control but it's control because I want to keep everyone around me safe and myself and so and that is a joke because there is no control. If anything, 2020 taught us that. Um, but that is something that I struggle with. So I've been reading her book, and she mentioned that one of the things she started doing to remind herself about the power of prayer and the power of God's word is that whenever her husband was out of town, she now puts her Bible on his pillow and looks at it 
and then says her prayers at night because she reminds herself if she wakes up in the night that she's already covered, that she is safe because she has used her two weapons, her prayer and the power of scripture. And the, the one who never sleeps is right there watching over her. And she doesn't have any trouble sleeping. I thought, I am so going to do that. I have never slept with my Bible on my bed. I have to move the dog over and put him right there. So we can do that. That is something else to rejoice in. Um, rejoice is defined by how you feel, um, how you show great joy or delight. And, and that's what the Lord wants. So many times we feel like what we're doing in this world is we are just surviving. He doesn't want us just to survive. He wants us to thrive. But he wants us to thrive by his support and by his hand. Um, rejoice is a word that sounds very appealing to teach on. Um, but you know what? There's some hard parts about rejoicing. And so the verse that I'm going, we're going to read through again, I don't know if it can come back on the screen, is from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And if you've been in church for very long, you probably have heard this verse before. It's rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Reading this verse is not difficult. This is not like reading in Numbers or possibly in Revelations or an area that would be hard for any, even a non-believer to understand what this means. But there are hard parts of this verse, especially if you're in a season where you don't feel like rejoicing, where you feel like, I don't want to give thanks for what I'm in right now because I did not ask for this. I would like another, please. Give me something different. It's easy to rejoice when life is great. When everything is going simply, it's easy to rejoice. It's really hard to rejoice when you're in a situation where you'd like a redo or you feel like you're being refined or rejected. It's really hard when you've lost someone you love or you received news you didn't want to hear or the medical diagnosis was not what you expected or there's broken relationships within your family or friendships or your marriage is struggling or your kids have gone wayward or the anxiety or depression or all the things that you're feeling feels like you're weighing down or you feel like your hope is just gone or it's that your storm that you're feeling like you're in, somehow the God that you love and that you follow seems to be missing in action or too busy to be present in the current storm you're in. It's really hard to look at that verse and think, I can rejoice in that. The thing that's not hard to do in those areas is pray without ceasing. Sometimes in those storms, sometimes in those seasons of life, that's the only thing you have. That's the only hope you've got. It's pray without ceasing. It's real easy to remember to pray without ceasing. In fact, sometimes in those moments when I've had those where I'm begging God for a miracle, prayer is like breathing. It becomes without even me even consciously knowing I'm doing it. It's constantly just help me, Jesus. Help them, Jesus. It's pray without ceasing. So I, I can do that in those storms. But giving thanks for that circumstance, that's really hard. Giving thanks for all circumstances, that's very hard. The other area in this is the pray without ceasing. Like I said, in those storms where life is not going the way you want, it's, it's very easy to turn to where your hope is when you feel like there's no hope on this side of heaven. When he is your only hope, it's very easy to pray without ceasing. But when that storm ends, and all storms do, I can testify to that, they do. The storm will end, and life will settle down, and things will get easier. Then we forget to pray without ceasing because God is on our radar anymore. It's really easy when life gets easier to forget to pray without ceasing, to continue to have a purposeful and intentional relationship with the Lord, a one-on-one -on -one intimate time where you're talking to him, studying his word. It's very easy to let that peace go. And so when this next storm comes, because we're promised they will, we're promised in this world we will have trouble, there's always another one coming just around the bend, we run back to this 
I had to remind ourselves that we serve a faithful and loving God, even when we don't understand his hand. The other part that's kind of difficult about this particular verse is as you're speaking out those prayers and you're asking for certain things or praying for for God to release certain areas is praying for God's will. I can tell you, in my opinion, there's a lot of times I pray like, God, can your will be my will? Because I think my will is the right way to go. So if we could just have my will, everything's great. And it's really hard when that's not the answer. It's really hard when, when you've prayed your heart out and his answer is not what you asked for. Or when it feels like you go silent. It's really hard to accept his will. And that's where we go back to where we're told in the word about God's character and who he says he is. And in those moments, that's where I go back to the word and I'm reminded that God says, you're not going to understand all of my ways, but I love you and trust me. That's why it's important to stay in the word, because this is where God's character is revealed. And it reminds us that we're not always going to understand why life goes up and down, and that's this way and that way. But we can trust that he does, and that ultimately is all for our good, and that he is faithful, and that he loves us dearly, and he wants us to return to him in every and any situation. So when those storms cease and when they rise up, we go back to praying earnestly. We go back to reading in the word and we go back to accepting his will, knowing that when it's all said and done, we have hope because we get to look forward to how the end of the story goes. For all the things we don't know, after you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know the most important thing you ever need to know. You know where you're headed. And that's really the only thing we have to know. So when it talks about be grateful when you're in a situation where things aren't so feeling thankful, we're not, I'm not grateful for the situation, I didn't ask for this, how can I be thankful? There's always something to be grateful for. There's always something to give thanks for. And that is that your relationship with Jesus has sealed your life with him for eternity, that he's preparing a room for you. So in those situations where you find yourself thinking, I'm really finding it hard to be thankful in this time, and we've all been there, I have too, there is always one promise that you can be thankful for. And sometimes that's the only promise you can come up with. But in those situations, you remember, I can be grateful for this because I know where I'm headed. Recently, I was listening to a podcast, and there was a minister I was listening to, and he was studying prayer time. And he had a really neat reflection of prayer in the Word. Um, And so I had never heard this before, but it did warm my heart, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, He was talking about all the different ways um, Jesus you know, shows us prayer throughout the word. And he said one of his favorite areas when he studied with his doctorate over prayer was that he loved the picture he saw of prayer is that one of the reasons the Lord would go off on his own and pray because that reminded him of home, being in God's presence. Now he came here to be amongst us, but when he would go and pray and be with God, that was his time, that was his sauce, and it was a reminder of home. I never imagined Jesus being homesick but I imagine he was. And I loved that picture of our Heavenly Father being with God and having that quiet time because it reminded him of home. And so now when I pray, I think about that. I think about this is like a little taste of heaven. Like when I get those quiet times, it's not every time I pray, but when I have those moments where I feel like the Holy Spirit really is here with me, you can feel almost him tangibly wrap his arms around you. That moment where like time stands still That's a taste of what's to come. And so if that's what Jesus was feeling, no wonder he kept doing that. 
Selfishly, that's why I'd like to lay in my closet all day and do nothing but talk to him. Sounds great. I loved that perspective on, on prayer. Another interesting thing um, that I was researching when I was looking at prayer time is that I, I have been blessed with the opportunity to study in a variety of Bible studies um, and love that every time I go back to his word, I typically find something I've never seen before. And so in doing that, um, I signed up for a class this last year called Lifeline to Hope. And it's a class that we offer here at Rock Point. Um, it's currently going on. It's about halfway through, but we're going to offer it again in the spring. And when I look back, honest to God, it's one of the top five things I've ever done in my life for my spiritual life. It was one of the most nourishing, incredible, refining moments I've ever had in 11 weeks. And one of my favorite things that came up throughout that that class was Dr. Scalise, who is one of the writers of that class. This class came out of the Center for Hope. It's in Plano. Um, one of my favorite things is when he shared part of his testimony and part of how he views the Word of God. I've always viewed the Word of God as the, the most incredible love letter ever written because I thought it's a love letter to us. But I loved how he viewed the Word. And so what he shared was, as we're talking about the will of God for our lives, is he shared that he and his wife were unable to have children. And they suffered several miscarriages. I think there were four that they suffered. And so they ended up adopting um, some boys. And throughout this process of adopting these boys, he visibly remembers going to the court. And in the court case, they basically sign over a document saying, from this point forward, these two boys are now basically your children. This is, these are your children by name, by birthright. By everything that the law and heaven can see, these are your children. And so he said, knowing that these are my children, he's like, I quickly got to work in developing our will because I wanted to make sure if that something happened, God forbid, to me and my wife, that my children were taken care of. He said, but the other side about that is that the only way they were going to get what was left in my will was for me to pass on. And he said, that's what this is. And he helped the Bible. This is the last will and testament for each of us. And if you're gifted something in a will, you need to know what it says. You need to know what's been offered to you to take it. And so this is the last will and testament for Jesus' followers. And all you have to do is accept him as your Lord and Savior. And this is what you get. And there's no takebacks. That's the best part of it. Once you've been entrusted as his child, once you've taken him as your savior, no one and nothing can ever remove that will and testament from your life. No matter what happens on this side of heaven, that is sealed. You are sealed forever. And if there's nothing else to rejoice about, that is enough to rejoice about. I hope that throughout this weekend, whatever you walked in with, whatever is going on in your life, um, I hope that it's joy, and I hope that it's celebration. But I get the feeling, because in my life, there's a lot of things I'm praying about that I wish the Lord would lift or change. I hope that as you enter in this weekend, that you're able to rest, that you're able to make new friends, that you're able to pray, that you're able to feel the Holy Spirit wrap his arms around you. Each of you is here for a purpose and a reason. There's no coincidences. You're here for a purpose and a reason. And only you know, and God knows what that is. We're just so honored to get to be a, be a part of it with you. Um, I hope that if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope that you feel called to become one. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I hope this is a time that you can re-engage with Jesus, that you can reintroduce yourself to him if you've gotten a far away. 
I hope that you can get reacquainted with his word. And I hope that you can reestablish brand new relationships that are already being worked on and woven throughout this room. We are so grateful to get to rejoice the good news with you this weekend. And we are so happy that we get to celebrate under one king. Thank you.